You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Dude, I finally saw that thing that uh, I guess my brother posted it like months ago when uh, Tess was a regular. Well, you've been a regular for over a year. But the way uh, you kind of just like drop your name, it's Tess, you know, in the middle of our little opening thing. Oh, yeah. Joe, did you see that? He did like the Batman 66, like the opening when they would start introducing yeah. Batman. So oh, had no, this... I didn't. I haven't seen that. Yeah, the, you know, uh, the old Batman 66, it was the live action show, but oh. uh, the, the, the credits were like animated, right? They had like... Uh, and, I, and I say animated with finger quotes, but it was like basically <laughs> still frames from comic books. So you'd see like Batman rearing up in one frame and then the next frame he's punched a guy and it says whammo or whatever, you know, blam. Uh, and then they play the Batman theme underneath it, but there was no actors in it. It was all just drawings. So they, oh, wow. they went a, a season or two, I guess, with just, you know, Batman and Robin and the uh, assortment of villains. And then they started adding Batgirl in around you know, like season two or whatever. But they didn't have enough money to like reanimate the opening and introduce her, so they basically just took like a little gif of her riding her motorcycle, and it always it was like spam. It, like, she just like at the very end, she just drives across the screen. Oh, and Batgirl, by the way, and my brother posted that gif, and he was like, "This is what Tess is like," because <laughs> she's just like, "I'm coming into your opening title sequence, and I'm gonna drive my motorcycle right across." I'm here. It's like don't forget about Tess. I'm here. I'm like back, but I want to be the boy. <laughs> no, I, I thought that was perfect. What's new with you guys? What's new? Anybody, uh, watch, anybody yeah. watch anything? Yeah, man. This is a new? movie podcast. I watched a couple movies. Nothing that I had not seen before, uh, but some oldies and goodies kind of reaching back to, uh, well, one, reaching back into the 80s. Uh, Joe, if I were to ask you, between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, if I could only watch Evil one. Dead 2. There you go. Uh, well, I am glad then that I chose that movie to uh, show my, my, my blushing bride uh, because yeah. well, I had both of them. And I'm like, I don't know where to start because Evil Dead is is its own kind of uh, low-budget special thing. It's, it's like Desperado versus oh, El Mariachi. El Mariachi, right. Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead was, in essence, just a college film. Yeah. And Evil Dead 2 is kind of a reboot of it, that movie. Yeah, but it's also like half sequel, half remake, yep. right? Yeah, but you get everything you need out of the intro of the second one, and there's just so much more. Not that it's a perfect movie, because it's far from that, sure. but there's there's such a, a like a visible amount of polish that the second one has mm-hmm. that the first one did not have. Yeah. Like It's you, like Clerks you, versus Mallrats. Exactly. Like They had kind of come... Sam Raimi had come a long way with his visual style uh, and his production, so, no, I love to. In fact, uh, Evil Dead 2 is my favorite of the series. I love that movie. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people say that. And apparently they're making another Evil Dead, uh, not Army of Darkness, but a, a a fourth one now? I know they had the show. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the show should have been it. That should have been, like, the cherry on top. Well, yeah. Let it let it go. And I love Bruce Campbell. I love his work. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I would I'd love to see him in everything. I know they did that Evil Dead remake. Probably about eight nine years ago at this Ooh, point, yeah. And Did they ended it? it after the credits. There was like this post credit thing of just Bruce Campbell saying "groovy," and <laughs> I was like, "What? What is that? Oh my god, are they gonna?" And there was this whole like rumor that Ash was going to like run into the female survivor of this one, mm. 
and that was going to be the next Evil Dead. But dude, it's been almost a decade since that movie came out. Like it's also a little too long at this point. And to, like to return. And like tonally, uh, that movie was way different than like with the original. The, the original is basically like a black yeah. comedy, right? Or not the original, but part two. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a goofy like the Three Stooges meet you know Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, uh, and like. Uh, just the, everything that's cheesy and campy. Tess, have you ever seen the Evil Dead movies? No, I, know, I have not. Oh, that's man. Man. Dude, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had there. At one point in this movie, this dude's hand gets possessed, so he chops it <laughs> off with hand. a chainsaw. Yeah, he he cuts his own hand off with a chainsaw, and then there's like a five minute sequence where his hand is running around like fucking up shit, and he's trying to like shoot it with a shotgun, and he keeps missing. Like it's so oh Looney Tunes, it turns into a Looney Tunes cartoon. But at the same time, there's still moments where it, it retains its horror feel. So, it, I mean, Sam Raimi created a genre when he made the Evil Dead movie, oh, specifically yeah. Evil Dead Two. Yeah, I forgot just how like silly it was because um, I was I was yeah. expecting it to be. I definitely knew it was campy, but like it's it's funnier than it is. Like it's, it's not even really scary. There's a couple of jump scares in it, and there's some creepy moments that happen. But uh, and then yeah. at the end, it just like f- turns into a full on like monster movie. Like it's the crazy oh, yeah. prosthetics and big set pieces they've built, which I forgot all about. <laughs> and I forgot that they and totally Sam Raimi's poor little brother in the uh, in the Henrietta <laughs> costume with like sweat just pouring out of her ear, like. Oh, really? He was sweating. The big story on that was that he cast his brother because they couldn't make anybody else do it. So <laughs> Ted Raimi is in the Henrietta costume oh, really? fighting Bruce Campbell. And at one point, and it's still in the movie, at one point, like he's like pulling on the girl's hair. And that's when Ash gets up and he's like, hey. And Henrietta turns her head and looks at him. And you just see like gallons of sweat Ew. pour out of his ear. Yeah. That costume did not breathe. Um, yeah, so it, there's there's a lot of fun trivia to Evil Dead too. Uh, you know that that one actor that you were like, who's that? Nobody knows who he is. He passed away a few weeks ago. Um, oh, wow. oh, he's oh, that's yeah. right. He was one of the uh... the, the redneck mm-hmm. the redneck guy. Uh, he's been in a bunch of Sam Raimi movies. Uh, what about you, Tess? You see anything good? Um, that's funny you were talking about that hand scene because that reminds me of this Uh-oh. movie called Idle Hands. Oh yes, oh, which yeah. I can't wait to go back to that. Uh, it's be spooky season. Basically, it is. I'm gonna pick that for the podcast in a few weeks. Hell yeah! But but I've been getting, I've been watching horror movies. I guess or at least getting into the into the mood to watch them. So I watched this movie called Devil that came out in 2010. Oh, the, the one in the elevator, yeah. the Shyamalan movie. Yes. That thing was pretty creepy. That was real. That was real. It wasn't scary. It was just kind of creepy and like weird because you couldn't yeah. follow what was going on for a while. You know, and who was going to be the bad guy? Well, but, you know, it's oh. the precursor to glass. What? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> also, M. I mean, Night Shyamalan. I would be. It's in that yeah, same would, universe. M. Night Shyamalan did that movie, I believe. I he, think so. He produced it. Or I'm not sure if he was. If he was directing, yes. they certainly weren't putting his name on it because uh, that was the he dark the times. He did the he story. wrote the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like he was yeah. probably a little more heavily involved in that, but uh, he was no longer like a viable, bankable name that they could put his name mm-hmm. on anything and people would come. He'd kind of uh, spent all of his goodwill uh, by the time that movie came yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel but yeah, like I can watch that uh, trailer and already know who the bad guy is. Like I, you think <laughs> you think so? Yeah, you, you I, I don't know, man, because it yeah. kind of switches. It kind of switched on you a okay. little bit because they're all kind of pieces of shit when you go when you go through it. You're kind of like, 
all right, but who's the biggest and who's going to be the guy? And then they tell you, and then towards the end of it, they're like, yeah, like, did you hear about that one story where that guy really wanted to shoot this one person? So he killed all these other people just to hide who his mark was. And then it's like, oh, now you guys are basically just telling us what, what the movie is. No. And it's like, all right, well. Well, that's not like <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan at all, is it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What have you watched, Joe? What do you Dude, I, have, I really haven't watched anything new. I started, um, I, I watched the new Mulan. Uh, oh. Now, how is that? Because I'm hearing it's, it's, it has great production value, but it's kind of uh, uh, pointless, maybe. Yeah, it worth yeah. I mean, I mean, That's oh no, no, don't pay that. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> don't pay that. <laughs> well, wait. I All thought right. if you had Disney Plus, that uh, it was free. You have to pay for it on top of that. You have to pay for it on top of that. You would have to pay an extra thirty dollars to be a part of Disney Plus Premium or whatever, oh. where they're going to put like theatrical run movies. In there as well. Okay. Uh, and no, I'm okay with that, Disney. I'm I'm all right. Let's, I've got my avenues. I'll uh I'll, I'll check it out this way. Um, it's I think it's beautiful to look at. Uh, the mm. the performances are actually even really good. Uh, the the woman who plays Mulan, fantastic. Yeah. But like I don't know, there's something that seems kind of yeah, like you said, uh, kind of needless about the whole process. We've already seen the story. the The animated version is better. Uh, one of the things that makes the story, you know, even more delightful is the music. Mulan yes. is, I think, the last traditional oh. animated Disney movie that had a fantastic and solid soundtrack. Like oh. the the score and the music to that movie was really good. Uh, after that, it just kind of really went downhill. Um, I like Hercules. Was, I mean, it was even better than a predecessor. Oh, uh, yeah, Hercules. Uh, um, Pocahontas. Pocahontas' music was terrible. It had the uh, one good that song. That was around the time where it started to kind of go downhill. Are you talking about the the main? Thing, yeah. Or are you talking about just around the river bend? No, the uh, the, the the colors of the wind. Yeah, that was lame. That's a lame. It's <laughs> a great song. It's such an earworm, dude. Look, just because something's an earworm doesn't make it good. I mean, people get rickrolled every day. That song's garbage. I'm gonna get you. So, other than uh, other than Mulan, I I haven't seen anything. Been doing a lot of a lot of video gaming. Ooh, uh, what you playing? Did you see those announcements? Did you see the Nintendo announcements, the Super Mario stuff that's coming out? Hell yeah, dude. I'm, oh. oh, have we not talked about that since it dropped? No. Oh, nope. Super excited. I, I was awoken to that. Man, we want to talk about uh, waking up and having a pleasant surprise. Uh, pulled up my, my, my phone <clears throat> right after I woke up, and uh, that's, <laughs> that sounded dirtier than I wanted it to sound. It really did. <laughs> it did, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I so saw on my phone there was the announcement, and it was like, and you get, I get all those YouTube announcements, but you never know like which ones are real. But I, I noticed that this yeah. one was like from the Nintendo account, and it was like from Nintendo Direct. Play your yeah. favorite uh, 3D Mario's, and I was like, "Whoa, what?" And I just pulled up yeah. this video and started watching it. I had no idea what it was. It wasn't the full thing. It was just the trailer for what we now know as uh, Mario Super Mario 3D All Stars. And yeah. uh, I started watching. It. I was like, "Oh shit, Mario 64! They're doing it." We've been rumored yeah. about this for months. And here it is, and, and then, then they Mario went Sunshine, Sunshine, which I haven't played. I never finished that game. Uh, had it on GameCube, was not into it, uh, but really looking forward to giving that a second try. And then, of course, Mario Galaxy, one of my favorite yeah. Mario games, if not my favorite Mario game, uh, 3D or otherwise. This is like a new bundle, or what? What? What is? Yeah, it? yeah, and it comes out on like next Friday, a week from tomorrow. Oh, yeah, wow. they, they announced it. I feel like somebody in their PR department must have quit before they sent out like press releases of stuff. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God, we got to get this presser out. 
it's Mario. It's their flagship franchise. So you're like, wow, I can't believe you're only giving people like two weeks notice that this is on the way. Uh, And then they just dropped news about that uh, Legend of Zelda, the uh, Age of Calamity game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting to me, too. I don't know if you've played Hyrule Warriors. but that's, I think that's a fantastic title. I'm not really into the non-canon Zelda games. And, and those games aren't really what I like about a Legend of Zelda game, right? I like the, I like the puzzle mm-hmm. solving. I like a little bit of the combat. But I mostly like the traversing and the finding new lands and discovering secrets. That's all battle, right? All combat? Yeah, it's well, I, and I think it probably speaks to me because I was a big Dynasty Warriors fan. Like, I, I love those games. And that's what it is. It's basically about, like, leading troops and getting into battles and doing a lot of just slash it's just slashing away um but instead of being like dynasty warriors and feudal japan Hmm. it's hyrule and link and ganon and you know all these other forces uh so i don't know i enjoy it i i agree with you it's harder to get into those games than the canon you know regular series ones Hmm. but at the same time you know i would i would definitely pick up hyrule warriors and play that again over legend of zelda 2 (laughs) <laughs> because that oh, game yeah. was just torture. That's it was awful. torture. I do like that they're uh, setting it in the uh, Breath of the Wild universe, and you kind of get to, it's almost well, a prequel, uh, right? A hundred years before, yeah. It's basically the story of what happened to Link mm-hmm. before he got put in stasis, which is a little disappointing because I would like them to flesh that out in the next Breath of the Wild game uh, yeah. sequel that they're working on. But I guess they're going a different direction. Yeah, maybe they'll let you be Zelda finally. Your princess is in another <laughs> castle. Yeah, that, that's the rumor. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing. I've also been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts. If you follow me on Twitch, mm, uh, like I when I when I get into work and I have well, it started because one of my one of my displays they needed to test a, uh, some content and they didn't have any content built, and so I asked them. I was like, "Hey, can you can you just do something from a live stream?" And they're like, "Yeah, do you have a URL?" I was like, "Sure." So I fired up my PS4 that I have at my office, nice. and I started. Yeah, I started playing Kingdom Hearts, and they were like, "Okay, cool." Just go ahead and let that run for a couple, for like a half hour. And uh, I was like, oh, sure, no problem. No so that problem. kind of started this, it started my uh, my journey towards like, maybe I can, and I can't, I know I can't, but like, I was like, maybe I could become an affiliate, like a Twitch ninja. affiliate. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, man. Well, no, not like Ninja. I'm never going to be <laughs> like that. But I mean, Watch. I, I, right now, just to be the lowest of the lowest of the low, I just need 50 followers. And I'm halfway to that. Mm. I need to. I think hey. I need to broadcast for like another hour and a half, and I need to do it for another like three days. Once you uh, once you drop your username here, because I, I would like to follow you on Twitch. Yeah, really man. at Next Wave Joe. Oh, there you it's go. Next, Next Wave Joe. Should have guessed. Man, start that. Yeah. yeah, bro. This is a start. You get that. Here's the Twitch thing though. Deal. The, the last week uh, when when I play, I haven't turned on the mic just because like Thank you, you know oh, I've what? got other people that are working, other people in the office. I don't want to get distracting. So I don't turn on the mic. No, I, just, I just play gotta, through the game. You got to turn it on, man. Turn they got to hear your voice. You're a voice I gotta actor. Like, I got to be like, yo, hey, what's up? This is Joe Cucinati from My Roommate is a Cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. And how could they talk to ramen? I better recognize. I should do it when Tess comes in and he can kind of run co-pilot for me while yeah, I'm playing just, the game. Just, just let me narrate what you're doing. All yes. right, man, here we go. Yeah, Joe, he's got Daffy Duck right now. You know <laughs> Donald. It's like, you know, yeah, well, Donald. <laughs> I've only seen this game played like twice before in my life, but I knew cartoons. <laughs> That's right. Goofy's in it. Your beloved Goofy, right? Oh, my yeah, boy Goofy. In it. Look at him, man, holding it down. I was like, now Joe's jumping on stuff. I don't know where he's going. <laughs> oh, who's yeah. that ugly monster what? coming out of nowhere? 
It's Jafar. I just cleared out today. If you were if you were following, which nobody listening was, uh, I I cleared out the uh, the Agrabah level, and it's cool. Like you oh. get to team up with these Disney characters, and I know the game itself is like 15 years old at this point, almost 20. <laughs> but you know, I kind of I got the package when I got the PS4. I got the the package again, and thought that I would start playing through them before I tackled uh, part three. Nice, because part three took like two decades to come out. Yes. Uh, I was like, I'm going to refamiliarize myself with these and I'm going to go back and play them and forgot how laborious like the first one is. The first one is such a grind, uh, but it's it's also pretty delightful. It's, uh, it's a fun game. That was so, like PS2 uh, people are getting to see that if they're following on Twitch. It sure was. Yeah, it was the first game. I had a website back in the day called uh, lethaldeath.com. It was me and a few friends. We kind of set this thing up. And I started doing like movie and game reviews and like I was getting like really bad like B films because they were the only people that were sending me like review copies of movies. So I was doing like Playmate of the Apes or like, <laughs> you know, the erotic ghost. Like they were sending me like war documentaries and softcore porn. And I was like, yeah. how am I supposed to do this? And then finally, I like wrote to try to get some game reviews going and Square Enix responded to it at the time it was square they responded and they're like yeah we'd love to send you a copy of our new game uh kingdom hearts wow are you are you familiar with the what the concept is and i had only read very little of it i was like wasn't like disney final fantasy crossover and they're like yeah it's kind of got its own story but that's kind of the basic we're gonna send you a copy please review it and so we were like the first website that broke kingdom hearts with playable footage no way awesome really yeah yeah it it was cool it was cool stuff uh, but this isn't a video game podcast. <laughs> this is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. Mine's Joel. I'm Tess. We come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies, sometimes bad movies. No matter what the case, every week we will watch a movie and then come back here <laughs> and talk about it with each other. With you, our lovely Editing Bay listeners, we invite you to take part in the discussion. Go to facebook.com slash editing bay or in that search bar on Facebook, type in the Editing Bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that, and that's where you can talk back to us. Uh, and also put suggestions. If you've got suggestions for movies you'd like for us to talk about in the future, go ahead and put those there, and uh, we'll go ahead and add it to the list, and maybe, just maybe, mm. we'll get to it. Dreams come um, true. But this Dream. one was not any of your suggestions. This was no, Tess's pick. What, what are we doing this week, bud? Yeah, it was. So we are doing 2006's Grandma's Boy. One of my favorite movies from back in the day. One of the first little raunchy, uh, like stoner films I remember seeing growing up. I was like, How old was I when this came out? That was my eighth grade year. So you were 14 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, wow. man. <laughs> Why were you watching this at 14? Oh, man, you should ask what I was watching at eight. It's even worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> I told so like you Tess my said, middle name comes. My middle name comes from the '92 uh, uh, Eddie Murphy movie Boomerang. Remember that? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Baba G Day. Oh, really? um, <laughs> yes. So, Grandma's yes. Boy, like Tess said, came out in 2006, directed by Nicholas Goosen, uh, who did a movie called The Shortcut, and then a ton of just stand-up comedy specials. The budget mm. for this movie was five million dollars, mm. and it brought in. million. Oh, no. (laughs) This movie won the High Times Magazine Movie of the Year in 2006. (laughs) Another stoner Stoner comedy of the year. That's like... Uh, Other uh, movies that came out in 2006, uh, Casino Royale, The Prestige, The Illusionist, Deja Vu, Little Children, The Departed, Pan's Labyrinth, Superman Returns, X-Men The Last Stand, Lady in the Water, Mm -hmm. 300, Children of Men, Little Miss Sunshine, Ooh. The Da Vinci Code, The Devil Wears Prada, The Lake House, Talladega Nights, Idiocracy, uh, The Borat yeah. Movie, Click, 
another Adam <laughs> nice. Sandler film. Uh, the Fountain, Nacho Libre, Dead or Alive, Miami Vice, Snakes on a Plane, and Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Joel, you were getting ready to say something. I cut you off. What was that? I don't remember. It's, it's past now, but that's okay. Uh, oh, not great. a lot of not a lot of uh, great films in there. A lot of a lot of stinkers. Uh, maybe a few yeah. golden well, ones, but uh, mostly yeah. negative. I mean, I mean, The Departed, you, Casino Royale. You had The Departed, mm-hmm. uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, you know, I or- guess. Children of Men. Children of Men was a fantastic film. Children of Men. Yeah, no, there's some good ones in there, but uh, I think less than 50% of those that you listed, uh, yeah. I would I would recommend. Uh, and then speaking of this yeah, film yeah. being amongst those, uh, yeah, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, it's, it's very telling because with critics, anybody want to take a guess what it is with critics? Oh, I would I would probably put the critic score at like 40, between 20 40%. and 40. Well, even that is high because 16% is what they get decided to give wow, this one. Wow. But, but when you look at the audience, audience had it at 85%. And usually when I see that, yeah. I'm like, man, yeah. these are the critics, these fucking uppity critics. They don't know what – this is a comedy. They don't know shit. They always get comedies wrong. Uh, and they always uh-huh. – you know, it's like a year or so after they always try to make up. Oh, look, we're edgy mm-hmm. too. Look, something about Mary. We love that. No, and it's, no it's too late. Kingpin passed you by, but uh, this so one. Let me let me ask you this: Joel. Mm-hmm. Were the critics right on this one? Uh, critics were absolutely what? correct. Yes, they nailed it. <laughs> it's exactly sixteen oh. is almost too generous. Uh, like this. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I, I is nowhere near eighty five percent for me. This almost feels like uh, you know some sort of Reddit campaign where a bunch of oh nerds got God. together and decided, well, we got we got to vote this this film up, uh, and, and yeah. that's what that feels like. But uh, for once, so, I think the critics were right. I was the president so what of that this campaign. Movie, what this movie feels <laughs> like to me, it feels like because this guy who plays Alex, the star of our movie, is Alan Covert. And yeah. you might know him. He plays minor characters in a bunch of Adam Sandler movies. Yes. He's one of the writers that Adam Sandler's worked with since SNL. You know, he's kind of part of that Happy Madison production crew. Oh, yeah. I'm almost convinced that this movie was supposed to star Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. But he was making click at the time so they ended up deciding like okay well let's go ahead and make it without him uh, and let's just put alan covert and i think the thing that works the least about this movie is alan covert's acting he's his writing is fine from kind of a adolescent standpoint uh (laughs) but he is not charismatic enough to carry this film you know they should have gone with a more seasoned performer i think you, in, at least in comedies i think you're absolutely right it's painfully obvious that, that this should have been adam sandler he's basically his uh surrogate in this film he even delivers some lines uh, and, and his blocking is very similar to what adam sandler could do if you close your eyes and just picture adam sandler in this movie yes absolutely from the tone to the comedy uh everything I, I do have to disagree with you though because I'm not a huge fan of Adam Sandler. Um, what? He's, yeah, he's. I mean, as an actor, I I, I like his oh, okay. comedic sensibilities sometimes. Sometimes, uh, not in this film. But uh, he, I would almost prefer to see this guy in other Adam Sandler movies. I think it'd be a little more believable. Oh, really? I yeah, I didn't have a problem with him. Wow. Uh, well, that's that's interesting. I really thought you were gonna. No, I thought you were gonna kind of come down on this guy a little bit more because watching this movie again, I remember. I can't remember who recommended this movie to me, but someone was like, "You've never seen Grandma's Boy? Oh, this is right up your alley. You love video games. You love comedy. Mm-hmm. You know Adam Sandler films. You should watch this." You love weed. And I remember the first time I watched it, I really dug it. Like I was just like, "Oh man, this movie's hilarious." And the yeah. thing is, the movie's still funny. Yeah, but it's it's funny in a. Like these are a bunch of like goofy situations, 
and they tried to string them all together. Like, like, like watching Nick Swartzen and his whole, like doing the dance dance revolution. Like <laughs> that's funny. It's like funny vignettes. Yes. But as a full movie, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not very cohesive. The fact that like, yeah. But the, there's that shoehorned in love story between our star and Linda Ugh, Cardellini always. that I just yeah. I do not buy. I don't. Well, no, buy but do you all. buy them in any of the Adam Sandler movies? Like, do you buy him with fucking Drew Barrymore or uh, Michelle Monaghan from uh, uh, Pixels? No, he. No, but the difference is, in my head, I look at Adam Sandler and I go, "Oh, it's Adam Sandler. He's a movie star. Like he's been making movies for twenty, thirty years." I see this Alan Covert guy, and I'm like, "Dude, I don't even know who you who are." Who's this fuck? Uh, and I don't. I don't, I don't think Linda Cardellini. It, there's no, and this, that's part of the problem about this movie is that it's so like testosterone fueled oh, yeah. and so male centric yeah. that we don't yeah. at any time really develop the relationship between Alan and what's her name, Samantha. They do, or Alex and Samantha. They don't develop them at all. We don't really figure out why they hook up with each other. They just kind of do. And they do they do Linda Cardellini's character a great disservice by not fleshing her out at all. Oh, absolutely. Well, just like all the other females in uh, all of his other movies. They're there to serve a purpose. Yeah. they got to look good. They have to be the love interest, but uh, they can't really have any lives or desires for themselves. And you end up asking yourself throughout the film, why is she, what does she see in this guy? Like, she could do so much better. Like, this is a dude that within the first 10 minutes of the movie, he goes into his buddy's bathroom with a Lara Croft doll. <laughs> and which is hilarious. I mean, I'm not going to oh, I'm not going to lie. Hilarious. hilarious. I did <laughs> laugh. He's like, what do you got on under that skirt, Lara? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he oh. turns her over. <laughs> so you always know what you're in for when you get a masturbation joke about 10 minutes into your comedy film. Into the movie. Yep. Uh, I think Nick Swartzen is really funny in this movie. He's the best uh, thing about it. Hilarious. Well, I don't know if he's the best thing because, well, he ha- he is. Because <laughs> Joel Moore as JP. Oh. Who I love, like in the, I love this character. I, I wish that there was. I wish there was more of him. Oh, really? Uh, because just like the Linda Cardellini character, I feel like they don't develop this guy at all, and it, and it culminates. <laughs> Sit on my face. <laughs> wow, that's really inappropriate. That's, that's JP. inappropriate. That's really inappropriate. JP. <laughs> I loved Joel Moore in this role. And the thing is, it culminates to like the lamest climax of any where he has to play against this dude's grandmother Mm -hmm. to prove that it's his game. Like you're telling me you've been designing this game and you don't have another copy of it. Yes. You, you should have backup, redundant backups of this. Well, that's what I'm saying. First of all, that's not even how that works. Like he's, he's got it on a disc, like a spinning CD disc. Yeah, how, how are you saving your changes to a fucking burned CD-ROM? No, there's got to be a computer with a hard drive with that uh, uh, code on it somewhere. And then you burn CD copies from that code. You don't put it all on one disc. But but I'm splitting it. Yeah. No, it's... Uh... It's definitely a movie that wants to. It wants to have that nerd cred, like they work in this like this video game publisher uh, office. But the thing is, they have standees for like Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. and uh, and what else do they have? They have uh, City of Heroes. They have City of Heroes comics all over the place. And like, I've been to Gearbox up here in Frisco, mm-hmm. and they make like the Borderlands games and stuff. I can like tell you with no uncertainty that when I walked through that office, they didn't have standees and advertisements for competing games, like competing companies. <laughs> yes. 
like in their offices. They wouldn't allow stuff like that. What they did was they celebrated the games they have, and there were banners and signs and posters and standees of that stuff. But they didn't have like it, it's it was so half cocked the way mm-hmm. that they the production design worked on this game, and it kind <laughs> of it, it translates into the dialogue as well. Like you've got this whole part where uh, where JP is looking at Alex's game and he's like, "Wow, the hit detection is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Look at the lighting effects." And I'm Clipping. looking at this. And I'm going, dude. Even for 2006, this is ugly. Like yeah. this is yeah. a super ugly looking game. Well, they had to have something built uh, proprietary, right? You know, it was built specifically for this movie. And so who are you going to get to do yeah. that? Yeah. And to have all these yeah, specific things in it that some uh, script writer wrote into the script, you know. Uh-huh. But, I mean, the Galaga opening was cute. <laughs> I mean, yes, but but that seems so, it, like, it tr- fucked out in 2020 oh, yeah. and, and even in 2006. It tries, well, it's trying to bank on nostalgia sure. while then giving you a movie that's, like, definitely anything but. And, and I get the <laughs> feeling that the type of people that would like a movie like that... Would not like this film. Like, I did not like this film. But I love Galaga, and I love video games. I love the setting. Who doesn't want to work in an office like that with a bunch of, you know, South Park blow-up dolls and just comics everywhere? Uh, They're totally going for that kind of big kid feel. And and that's what the movie's about, right? Guy's like a Uh 35-year-old guy still living. Lives uh, with his grandmother. mm Mm-hmm. He looks so much older than them. He does. He looks like 45. Well, that's why they call him Grey Bush. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah and 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 that was funny like the like you were saying the office the office uh like how everybody was challenging him to different games and he still wrecked all of them him yeah. and uh nick schwartz, nick schwartz. oh my like, god we don't have dance dance revolution <laughs> when so, did this get huh. they just showed up today <laughs> and then he killed oh man high score what is that bad did i break it well huh how's there's and that's like having the Nick Swartzen character, even though I love Nick Swartzen, his character in this movie was definitely an example of having your cake and eating it too. Like you wanted him to be goofy and dumb enough that he's wearing like onesie pajamas yes. and like call, living with his mom, sleeping calling his mom his roommate and like she makes him lunch. Yeah, sleeping in a car bed. But then he's like savvy <laughs> enough to be like, you know, he, he's cutting people down at work and like, you know, he's one of the cool kids at the office. And I was like, you can't. Yeah. You can't have it both ways, man. Like, it's got to be one or the other. He was like the cool kid amongst the nerds, though. It's like his bed, it's fucking sweet, man. (laughs) But it's a sweet car. My sister might get me a steering wheel. (laughs) (laughs) That was so amazing. It's a weird world that this film lives in. Uh, On one hand, it's trying to appeal to kind of these, you know, like counterculture, nerds, people who play video games. But the sense of humor and the way these guys interact is so like frat boy dude broish to me. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and and kind of mean spirited sometimes. And it's like the, these aren't the types of guys who would just throw like an all night kegger at their grandma's house with a bunch of bikers and yeah. strippers. There's there's always <laughs> and you get that in a lot of in uh, Adam Sandler movies. He he simultaneously wants to be like the the underdog, but then also the guy who is picking on the nerd. And I think. That's what the where the JP character comes in. Joe, you said, and Tess, you said, too, that you like that character. I could not yeah. fucking stand that character. Jenna was in the same boat. And I love that actor. That guy is great. I love him in Avatar. I love him in other things I've seen him do. He is a great actor. But that, that actor is so... What the things they're making him do, and the poor guy, like I, I, I feel like he maybe auditioned well for that, but then when it came time to... 
portray that character and do those robot voices. He's basically like Gollum. He's got like a split personality, but the other personality is is a robot, right? So he's making, he's doing like the guy from. Uh, she's fucking. No, she's not. No, she's not. I love how he's like he's talking to her, and he's like, "Yeah." So I'm thinking about getting metal legs. The procedure's going to be tricky, but I think it's going to be worth it. He has a couple of moments. I like when he's uh, he's trying to hide himself uh, up against the black wall because he's this character is very like Columbine 1998. Like he's wearing a black trench coat. He's out of the matrix. They even make him an obvious Matrix jo- uh, joke about his attire. Yes, uh, oh, God, yeah. which is not funny or creative at all. But but yeah, he's dressed like fucking Neo. He's got the black uh, glasses on and the trench coat. And and yeah, at one point he's up against a black wall and he's he's pulled it over his head and he's. Uh, how did he see me? How did he see me? <laughs> Every time somebody's like leaving a room that he's in, there's always like a quick little like yeah. they, they kind of cut him down. And like one of them was like, "Hey, here comes Bono's brother." Yeah, <laughs> yeah always, always. Throughout, throughout, that's one of the that's one of my favorite things about this movie. Like the under the things that people that you hear people say under their breath and like as they're transitioning between scenes is like hilarious and shit. Yeah. I mean, I can see how you can't like it. I can definitely see that, how it won't speak to everybody. But I'll tell you, man, Joel Moore doing what he's doing in this movie, I felt like there has got to be a bunch of like like blooper footage sitting on the cutting room floor of him doing his takes and then everybody trying to keep it together. I felt really sad for him. Really? really? I got the impression that like he didn't want to do what he was being asked to do and then they're like dressing him up in Marilyn Manson makeup at the end <laughs> like he's he's Bro, simultaneously you're like talking about the same guy that in dodgeball had to wear like dominatrix leathers <laughs> like uh, yeah that's fine but but in here <laughs> I, I guess i have a problem that's, with that's fine <laughs> i have a problem with the portrayal of the character because he He's not a real character. He's just there to be a villain. And Adam Sandler movies always have this, right? There's always this cartoonish villain. Yeah. This person could not exist. But here they're taking kind of like the the stereotypical nerd who doesn't have social skills, doesn't know how to talk to women. But then they turn him threatening. Like he's he's yeah. threatening and he's always the butt of a joke and he's there to be laughed at. Maybe I'm going a little uh, <laughs> cathartic here. Uh, but he brings it upon himself. Yes, like, he, he does. The JP brings it upon himself the entire time. Absolutely. He deserves so, all. But you can either be, the, you know, the villainous uh, douchebag, or you can be the soft, cuddly nerd. But here they try to kind of merge those two. And it just really? felt, felt mean spirited. trying to make him soft and cuddly. I didn't, I didn't get that oh, at no, all. No, they're not. I, okay. and well, the it's problem. kind of like, I, he, yeah, he, well, I see, I kind of understand what he means by that a little bit because. If you look at his story, he was he made a game at like thirteen, remember? Mm-hmm. So he's been in that world since he was a little kid. And that's what he was even telling uh Samantha about. He was like, Yeah, well, you know, I may not have gone to school. I may not know what this is, mm-hmm. or or <laughs> I forgot what he said that it was some I may not know how to do math or I something simple like the, that. What the civil war was, but <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. So it's like, yeah, he doesn't know different things like that. And I guess he but he's supposed to be a nerd that's like help in ways but because of the fact that he's gotten that fame since he was a little kid that's why he's become the dick that he is now who thinks he's better than everybody else. i get that but then th- there's a scene like near the end and literally there's like 18 minutes left in the movie when he kind of breaks down and opens up to uh what's what's the alan covert alex? alex uh and you see him crying you see him what he's doing 
I know, but well, no, he's actually like he doesn't know about the game. This is before he decides he's going to steal his game. Yeah, he's just yeah. like a, a sniveling pile of it, and and, and he's uh, I don't know. he's I reduced don't get that from character. I don't get that. He's, I don't get that he's opening up. I think he's always playing an angle. Well, what's his angle there? That he's like crying in front of. Uh, I was going to call him Adam Sandler. Alex. In yeah, Alex. Was, I think he's well, just he's trying to he's trying to get in. He's trying to keep your keep your enemies close. Hmm. Yeah, because that was right. At, that was right after he had came in looking for uh, Alex, and they told him that he was out with Samantha at lunch. It's true. He was like what? And then he ran off. So, but that that could have been an opportunity for that character to like kind of turn around and them uh, accept him. I don't disagree. Uh, and instead, they just I don't dis- They took that opportunity and they're like, nope, he still has to be the villain. He's he's irredeemable. There could have been, yeah, and that's that's what makes movies fun is when you take a character <laughs> like that and you can kind of reform him no i'm I'm being serious like it would have been more fun had they taken the time and effort to reform that character and by the end of the movie like maybe there's something else introduce another thing where now they all have to work together to hit this deadline or do something else because you really haven't built the animosity enough anyway to get to this point and it's such a weak climax where it's like grandma has to play against him in a video game like yeah instead yeah instead work together on something but um we've talked a lot about these these characters, and for a movie called Grandma's Boy, yes. we should probably talk mm. about the grandmas. We should talk about the old ladies or Alex's three uh, three roommates. <laughs> well, that's the problem, <laughs> isn't it? Really, this movie is called Grandma's Boy, but that's not like if you watch this movie without a title and then propose that title, you'd be like, no, that's a horrible title. That's not representative of yeah. this film at all. It's about some slacker yeah. who. Uh, d- d- you know, uh, uh, makes video games, and he's got a, a queer group of friends. The grandma is a side character, and yeah, she plays into the plot in the end. But there's no building of their relationship. There's no she. She's no, as minor no, a character as no. everybody else in this film. They have, they have a weird, like, just shoehorned in thing where they're talking about his grandfather yes. the morning after the party, where yeah, she's going yeah. through like. How lazy screenwriting is this where they're going through like she's got Linda Cardellini up and they're going through photo albums. Yes. I'm like, yeah, it's happy Madison lazy. Yeah, exactly. That's that's lazy that that happened. But they do. They do that. You're right. They don't develop them at all. And you've got three kind of fun personalities that are at work there. All three of these women that play. Uh, the, I, I call them all the grandmas, but they're not all the grandmas, but they're all really good. I mean, you got Shirley Jones where she was on uh, a partridge family. Wasn't she the mom on Partridge Family? Oh, yeah? I don't know. Yeah. And then you've got uh, uh, Shirley Shirley Knight played uh, B. And so, yes. yeah, she uh, she was kind of the weird one that was on the medication. And then mm. you had Doris Roberts, who played Grand Lily. Uh, and I thought she was – she's she plays the, the mom on Everybody Loves Raymond. Yep. Uh, and I was telling Tess this. I had a run-in with her back when I was working at Mix 1029. No way. Mm. Uh, and I was – uh, I was producing the morning show and they had her come up and she was doing some kind of a talk in Dallas and working with some kind of charity. Cause she's, she's now passed away like yeah. several years ago. No, just like two um, years ago. She, was it two years ago? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought it was much, much earlier or much longer than that. So she came in and she was talking about like gastroesophageal um, reflux. And it was so funny because the way that the studio was set up, like you had to kind of come in the door and as you came in the door, you passed like the, the, the host of the morning show was kind of sitting in front of the controls. And then you kind of came around to the side and that's where the co-host sat. And then you come all the way around behind where I am, which is like, I'm at a computer. I got kind of a microphone next to me. And then you would 
the guests right next to where I was. So she comes over and sees me. And, and I know I say this a lot, but it was true. Like back in 2001, 2002-ish, uh, I was a really good-looking kid. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, so true. She comes, walking, she, she comes walking around the corner, and she looks at me, and she's like, oh, my, you are a beautiful young man. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> and so, like, she, uh, so while they're doing the interview with her, she's talking, and, like, you know how people do sometimes, especially, you know, older people, when they're talking to you and they're trying to, like, connect with you, make a point, like, they'll kind of touch your hand. Oh, yeah. Or touch as she's answering their questions, she keeps doing that. Like she looks over at me and kind of touches my hand mm. and is looking at me as she's answering the questions. And then when it was done, she was like, she asked, she was like, would you mind terribly walking me down to the, to my car? Oh yeah. And I was like, no, Here's I how it starts. I, I don't mind at all. <laughs> no. And, I, and like I told Tess, there was nothing, nothing came from it. She didn't like, she wasn't like showering me with praise or compliments on the way down. She just like, wanted company <laughs> who wasn't one of her, her management. Like, I don't know why she had three people with her, but she asked me to walk down to the car with them. And I was like, okay, absolutely. I think maybe she was afraid that they would get lost leaving the station. Cause that's what happened with uh, Larry Miller. He was like, Hey, oh, no. show us the way. Out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's my, that was my run in with Doris Roberts. Uh, and so huh. it was funny because I forgot she was in this movie for some reason. Yeah. I thought Betty White played his grandmother. Same. Uh, same. I don't know why that's why I've remember that's how I remember the movie as well. Yeah. How many yeah. of us are going to recast her <laughs> with oh, later well, in the movie? Oh, well, you got to it already, man. <laughs> <laughs> um so I you know we we've come down pretty hard and I think I've tried to point out some things that you know I enjoyed about the movie. Sure. Well, what are what are things that you enjoyed about the movie? <laughs> well, I agree. I think Nick Swartzen, uh, I love him. He's funny. I've seen him do stand-up like, live, uh, and yeah, he's the real thing. And uh, you can tell he's given it his all here. I, I have to imagine that most of his lines uh, were, were, were ad-libbed, where a lot of the comedy yeah. comes from. He's just a likable guy, so I like him. Uh, like I said, I, I like the uh, the Adam Sandler surrogate. I don't mind him so much. Uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of vanilla, right? There's not much to him. His face is forgettable. He's- He's like a less charismatic Mark Marin. Yeah, but he looks like a young Mel Gibson as well. Yes, which yeah. isn't necessarily a compliment. Uh, no, but uh, and of course, Linda Cardellini is doing the best with what she's given. Like she, she's she's wasted in this. She's a talent, uh, and I, I I hate to see her just like reduced to the hot blonde that everybody is lusting after uh, yeah. for, for no reason. Like there's no reason. She- She's wasting this movie. And then also uh, an early turnout from Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, man. We hadn't brought up Jonah yet, man. That's so surprising. Well, I mean, he did have much to bring up. Well, I mean, but his scenes that he had were pretty hilarious. Were pretty funny, though. Where he's breastfeeding? Yeah. (laughs) That was... What? What? Why? <laughs> like, where did, that didn't even make know. sense in, in oh like a God. story. Like one minute, oh my God. he's <laughs> like all of a sudden some hot big titted blonde is just gonna like climb on top of Fat Jonah Hill and wants him her to suck his boobs, and so we but have to see that happen. To like, yeah, continuing to prove that I don't think that these guys know how women work and oh, how women's bodies no, work. Of course, no, not. absolutely not. But it, but the funny thing about that though is just that. He does that for the rest of the party, and, <laughs> and even and even like right and like right after, like how we were just talking about the scene where they wake up in the morning, and you know it's the grandma talking with Linda Carlini, and they've got the they've got the photo book out. It's like 
all right, they finished that scene with him walking out to Jonah Hill still, <laughs> still sucking there. on. <laughs> they called her the milkmaid. Yes, still I was just sucking say. on the. That's what she's credited as yes. in the movie. But they turn out to oh. her. They turn out to her, to her and him. And it's so funny. Like, don't you think you should let the milkmaid go home? It's like, no, nah, man. And then they see him. They see him the next day, like with the guys all at, all talking about what happened. And he's like, yeah, man. Barry sucked on his first tit too. Thirteen hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what did you like guys think like of the Dante something. character? Uh, I mean, he's kind of lovable. J- Jenna hated him immediately. Um, so <laughs> for some reason, he turns off, off women. Uh, I kind of saw him as like a harmless dude, bro. But, but yeah, he's he's funny. He's there to look good with his shirt off and um, say and do super racist things <laughs> with his super racist friends. Like, the, yeah. Yeah. the whole... Yeah. I have a black Zimbabwe friend who is still dressed like he's in the African jungle. And then later I'll have a Chinese friend who always wears his Kung Fu outfit. And like, that's all he does is Kung Fu. The stereotypes are, are they're sub sub stereotypes. Like they're about as basic yeah. as you can get. And, yeah. and there's no, but there's no joke to them. The joke is, mm-hmm. Hey, here's a dude from Africa. Isn't that funny? Well, yeah, it's, it, it's it, like it, one yeah. step below, like, hey, look, it's Rob Schneider. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Hey, look, it's David, David Spade. Spade. Isn't that funny? But they had, but they gave us that Rob Schneider. Isn't that funny scene? Like, that's how it opened up as well. And I, and I forgot that's how, I forgot that's how the movie opened up. And I was like, yeah. this is such a, a ugly looking scene. I'm not even going to lie to you. Dude, I forgot, I forgot how huge, like offensively huge those old Xboxes were. Oh, oh God, yeah. They're just huge. bricks. Those were, those were gigantic. Uh, no, like the, the, the shoot in cameos from Rob Schneider and David Spade, like it just, mm-hmm. it, it had all the hallmarks of like a traditional Adam Sandler movie, but without any of like, look, Adam Sandler is not making gold anymore. Like there's, there's very yeah, few anymore. movies that he makes that's mm-hmm. like, that's well, dude, Billy Madison <laughs> and Happy Gilmore. I put those yeah. up here. Like those are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. His work in Punch Drunk Love was outstanding. Yeah, gotcha. Um, his work in Spanglish was really good. Okay, uh, you know, and I think I I think we we talked about it. I, I enjoyed Pixels, which Alan Covert, the guy who played Alex, was one of the writers on. Yep. Um, Pixels is good. I think there's 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 a charm that Adam Sandler still brings to even his worst films, that like kind of I don't know it kind of brightens. I don't want to say brightens things up because I remember Jack and Jill, and that was just <laughs> abysmal. But for for the most part, like Adam Sandler has like a cadence and sure. a, a thing that he does that you know what to expect. And as long as you get that, you're fine. This movie was almost like it was promising you all of that. Like if you love Adam Sandler, right. you're going to get all of that. And you don't. You kind of don't. Uh, this movie lacked a lot of polish that it needed. Like it needed like one or two more runs uh, through like the script writing. Like it needed, it needed a few more drafts before they went ahead and, and greenlit this. I agree. Test, defend yourself. <laughs> well see it's a goofy it's a it's a goofy movie man that honestly i never thought it was trying to do more than it honestly did but thinking about the dante character as you were asking about that mm. 
Like I, I had mixed feelings on him. He wasn't my, he definitely wasn't my favorite character at all. And he had funny parts, but then he also was just that stereotypical like stoner character you've seen in so many different movies that it's like, oh, I hate you, (laughs) I I hate you. But then he'll have those, he'll have those lines where it's like, okay, that was pretty funny, like that, that, that was pretty hilarious. But he was just very racist with the friends he had. (laughs) But I, but the black guy was the black African guy he's supposed to have there was supposed to be the reason why they were gonna get the lion, a, um, a lion, and then the that eventually drove them to the yeah like like that's the thing like that scene with the monkey driving i feel you those are those are those ridiculous those are those ridiculous scenes but they're funny to see that it's just like oh my god i did enjoy why did they throw this in there i enjoyed the the scene where he was naming off all the different kinds of weed he's like well what do you want oh yeah and alex is like I just want weed. Just give me this. <laughs> Why do they call it the Frankenstein? Because after you smoke it, man, you're going to be walking like this. <laughs> and then it's later like, on, yeah. we see uh, B, uh, or the old, or is it Grace, who's uh, walking through like the, walking like like the mummy. I think it was B. Yeah, because yeah, Grace was too busy getting up on Nick Swartzen. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. That's another thing. And, and I feel like in all of Adam Sandler's movies, there's always a, a big age difference between um, – to side characters and they always end up hooking up or there's some weird yeah. sexual tension. He's got a thing yes. with like young people fucking old people. There's something that he needs to work out. Yes. And uh, um he's Yeah, that's that's all I've got here. That's all you've the, got. The Grace Wait. character the, the Grace and Nick Schwartz and oh my god, I once gave a hand job to Charlie Chapman. To Charlie Chapman. Oh, yeah. Was he silent? <laughs> the, fact, the fact that he asked that is just so funny. <laughs> Those are those are the things about this movie that I love, like yeah. those lines and just those the delivery. I like that he's like, uh, you, "You were you were my first and she's like, "You were like my three thousand something." <laughs> and he's like, "I should have worn a condom." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of um, Kevin Nealon as uh, Mr. Cheezel, the uh, owner? Of- he was fine. He's Kevin Nealon, big boss man. Yeah, but he's doing like. Uh, He's like super into yoga and eating health. That's another thing. He's very new age. He's very new age. Even for 2006. That's another thing that I think is odd and goes into the whole, all right, are are progressive people cool or are they lame? Like, what is your stance on this movie? Because you're trying to have it both ways. So it's like they want us to accept, you know, 35-year-old men who are still living with their grandmothers and playing video games and it's perfectly okay. They can do what they want to do. Uh, but then the 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 guy who is a little enlightened and maybe wants to eat th- that that scene where they go to the vegan uh, restaurant and with David, yeah, with with David, David Spade. Spade and totally just mm-hmm. giving him shit, giving all the people their shit, just making fun of the lifestyle. And uh, I don't know that, that I guess in 2020 that doesn't seem very woke, but even in 2006, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it seems well, we were yeah. we were definitely living yeah. in a different time. Um, I don't know. I think like the new agey, touchy feely stuff was. Uh, wasn't quite it, was accepted. Yeah. it wasn't quite Not accepted yet. it was it was the joke yeah. at that time but now uh, it just seems now, like uh you you guys weren't nearly as progressive as or you didn't see the way the winds were were going yeah it's like yeah that's kind of mainstream now exactly this this movie kind of promoted and you you touched on it earlier it promoted like the reverse stereotype where like in in the 80s we saw a lot of movies where like you know uh the the bullies were beating up the nerds and it seemed like in this one, it was the nerds were beating up the nerds. Like, <laughs> yeah, couldn't, couldn't even <laughs> unite that group. Yeah. Um, would you recommend this movie? 
Anybody? You start with me. Well, you, <laughs> I, I think I think you know what my answer is. Uh, no, I, I I can't recommend this. And and this is somebody who loves weed and video games. And it's like mm. this should speak to me. And uh, I can't even recommend it on 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 that. And I love half of the cast in in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the cast is great, yeah. but still not enough That's... to save it for me. <laughs> well, definitely, I would recommend it. <laughs> It's a it's a funny it's a funny movie that you got to see different parts of that you at least have to just if you like those random classic old stoner movies those little funny ones that we know of this is one that you kind of randomly just have to see to be like oh yeah I've seen Grandma's Boy that's why your friend recommended it to you all those years ago Joe yeah. he was like yeah you got to watch this man um and that's why touching on that that's why I would say that I would recommend it right. despite. The problems that the, this movie has, and there are a lot. This this movie's th- yeah. there's not a whole lot going on upstairs. It's not a very heady film, obviously. Yeah, um, it's kind of it's kind of garbage, but at the same time, it's also it's also kind of fun. Like there's mm-hmm. it, it, even though at times it's kind of a mean spirited fun. Mm. Um, I think there's enough like goofiness that you could get a good gut laugh out of. Yeah. You know, every let's say every twenty minutes, which isn't good for comedy, but I think that every twenty minutes you probably get a good gut laugh, sure, and then you move on to the next thing. Ultimately, it's a uh, it's a less than satisfying experience as a whole. But I think Mm -hmm. there are parts that make up the whole that, like, you know, it's that was funny. Um, So I would recommend it. I think I think if someone's just looking for a a brainless, you know, comedy, sure. Uh, What did this movie do right? Uh, for me, I think it was uh, Doris Roberts. I loved her. She was just a sweet little old lady. She was like the worst trait that she had was that she wanted him to do chores. But even that is like, hey, you're giving this motherfucker, this this loser, free room and board. So like, so he has to clean out the gutters and take out the trash every now and then. I think that's a fair deal. So they didn't try to yeah. villainize her or uh, you know make her be like the overbearing grandma. They didn't do like, anything gross with her like they did with some of the other characters. She was just sweet little old grandma. And then she saves the day at the end by uh, proving that yep. um, he made the video game because she knew how to beat it. So uh, she was so enduring in this and... Uh, I, I know she passed away. I think I said 2017, but I believe it was 2016. Uh, oh. So four years ago. And this is a nice uh, little posthumous tribute to uh, Doris Roberts. There you go. Tess, uh, what did it do right? Well, it had to be the ensemble of comedic actors for me. Their timing and delivery of yeah. just the different lines like had me laughing the entire movie but i understand what you mean on the big big laughs that have you just oh man i gotta pause and yeah. like the knee slappers like that they those did come like every 20 minutes or so but there were still just random just banter and dialogue between the characters that i've loved watching and seeing it all these years after it's like it's still funny to me but yeah it's definitely one of those movies that you don't have to watch all the time and you don't have to be like <laughs> Pay, like looking directly at to, you can hear this movie and that still be true. laughing at what's going on. That is true. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm going to say that the thing that this movie did right was, uh, was the, I liked the JP character. Uh, I thought that that was a villain that I would have liked to have seen fleshed out more. Uh, but I liked him. I liked Joel Moore. I, I rarely see him in a role where he plays a villain where he's kind of playing the yeah. heavy. Uh, so it was a nice turn for me, especially the fact that I'm most familiar with him from Dodgeball, where he kind of played yeah. like, you know, the diminutive like friend of the heroes. 
I so I liked him in this. I think he's probably the best thing. The casting of him in that role I thought was really great. I get the impression he had fun. I don't think he was too embarrassed yeah. by it. I think he had a good time with it. Uh, what did the movie do wrong? Well, I, I got to go JP, like 100 degrees, 180 degree difference. Uh, he's cringeworthy, he's hateable, it's embarrassing to watch him. I, I, I felt bad for him. I pictured like, what would Jim Carrey have done in this type of role? We've been talking about him a lot this year. And he could have, he would have owned that, that dichotomy, that dual personality and hammed it up a little bit. I, I, I love, what's the actor's name? Joel something? Moore. He shares my name, so he can't be all that bad. Mm-hmm. He's a great actor. Um, I've seen him do better things, and I just felt I just felt bad for him. I did not like that character at all. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. What do you think, Ted? All right. Well, um, for me, in the minority there. Huh? <laughs> well, honestly, for me, it's the story, man. It's yeah? because as this is a, a this is a movie podcast because we do love movies. It isn't the best well written movie as we all know. That's the that's the biggest problem issue with with it for me. Even though I guess it was never trying to be just the greatest profound movie, but still, even what it gave us, like the ending and that being the climax, like we talked about earlier, that was the worst thing. And also, it just didn't look all that great, like that's visually true. for me. Like it was yeah. very, and I don't know if that was just for 2006, but I don't ever really remember it just like looking great. Even now that I can think about it, all the times I've seen it on like Comedy Central as well, it looked pretty. It's like kind of dark and just ugly looking. Yeah, so pretty yeah. flat. Yeah, uh, I think mm-hmm. Tess hit it on the head. I think what this movie did wrong was the story. I think the writing. I think that one of the big challenges of a writer when you're putting together a script is you have to understand your subject matter. And I think that there was a gross misunderstanding of what it was that they were writing. Like they were trying to write about life in a video game company. And I think they nailed probably the frat boy feeling of it. But at the same time, I never felt at any point that any of these characters actually understood what they were doing. Like, wh- I don't think any of these actors understood what their characters were supposed to be doing. Uh, I don't think there was a, there wasn't a clear understanding of like, okay, this is how we test levels. This is what we do when we test levels. Mm-hmm. This is the, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, Lynn like, Carter, seriously, we- like what did, we never see him test levels. We never see him test levels. Never. He just like, never. he just comes into the, the, the break room at one point with a folder and he's Boom. like, check all my levels. They're done. I'm like, is that what? how it works? So like, <laughs> let's have a meeting now. Let's talk about what was wrong with the levels. And I feel like if you're going to build this story and it's going to be in a video game company, we have to at least show a little bit of like authenticity when it comes to this is how it is. This is how we put something together. And f- instead, they just kind of took the feel of working in a pr- with a production company in video, like in movie production. Right. And just kind of translated that yep. into an office with video game stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, so the- yeah, I feel it was like I said earlier. It's lazy. It's a lazy movie. Also, there are more like yeah. game testers working there than there are like game makers. Like, where are the fucking dudes coding yeah. the actual game? Like, it, it posits that well, the, the only people working here are the people like testing the game. And that, that's just not how it works. The workaround. They they explain it early in the movie. The workaround is that Joel Moore is a one man programming team. Like they're there to support mm. Joel Moore with his whatever that that game was called yeah. he, and he programs it himself and then they go through and they test it so i feel like again 
lazy. It's a lazy way to explain away like, uh, we don't need to cast 20, 30 people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so if we were going to remake yeah. Grandma's Boy today, how would we do that? Uh, let's see. How many people have I recast? I've got... Uh, I have nine. I've got like 11. I have 10. Oh, wow. There you go. Okay. Two, Anybody have any themes going on? Not really. Other than the fact that, like, I don't know. Yeah, no themes. No themes. Yeah. I kind of have a bit of a theme, but uh, it falls apart. Oh, great. <laughs> well, then let's, let's let's just go through it. Who do you have low on your list, Tess? I have the milkmaid low on my list. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> I went with Christina Hendricks. Nice. Yes, because we were also talking about Mad Men recently. So, oh, yeah. you know, that's, our, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Christina Hendricks is good. She's a good actress. Um, well, so yeah. Then next, I have Mr. Cheezle. Did you guys do him? I did. I did do Mr. Cheezle. All right, I went with Will Ferrell for that character. Oh, that's good. What do you got? That's really good. I have Colin Firth. Oh, what? That's interesting. All right, I think it'd be unexpected to see him play a role like this. I went with uh, uh, Russell Brand, and he plays into Uh, my theme a little bit. That's okay. So, forgetting Sarah Marshall, you got it. (laughs) 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 I gotta try to hide it. Well, that well, that was easy. All right. Uh, okay, next, go. I have Kane. That's the uh, that's one of the uh, side characters with um, Nick Swartzen. He's oh, the, the yeah the Asian. I, I, yeah the Asian guy. Oh. I went with uh, Michael Sarah for that role just because oh, that's that scene where he's like breaking down. Yeah. <laughs> well, that scene where he's like breaking down and he's talking about like he doesn't deserve to be here or, or to live. <laughs> I feel like Michael Sarah would be perfect in that role. That's yeah. true. That would actually be pretty good. That was definitely a George Michael moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, who do you have next? I did not do him. Oh, you didn't. Um, next, oh, I have. Did you do him? Oh, you did. No, I didn't. But uh, if I were, I would do uh, Kumail Nanjiani. How about that? There okay. we go. Maybe right. Superman. Oh, next I have the Barry character. That's uh That's uh the Jonah Hill's character. Oh yeah. yeah did not recast him. I went with Jacob Batalon. He's Ned from uh Spider from the Spider Man movie. Go from Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, yeah. And uh, the other one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I recast uh, Jonah Hill with uh, Jonah Hill. Oh. There we go. That makes sense. All right. And next we have Jeff, the Nick Swartzen character. Mm -hmm. I went with Uh Baby Franco. Baby Franco for that role. I like it, Franco. Joe? Um, I went with uh, another Nick. I went with Nick Frost as my Jeff. Oh, that's good. Cool. Mm. I love that. Mm. Hopefully you have Simon yeah. Pegg so, in there somewhere. So my, my theme is basically I've made Grandma's Boy a British film, like oh, British actor. There you go. That's why the Colin Firth. It's all coming together now. Uh, yeah. I went with Bill Hader in that role. Bill Hader's oh. good. Oh, yeah. That's, Bill Hader would be a good Mr. Cheezle, too, to be honest. True, true. He, Mr. Cheezle. And yeah. a good JP. Man, Bill Hader could have yeah. played all these characters. <laughs> yeah. He could have played every single one. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Um, speaking of speaking of JP, I guess yeah. next I I have a JP role and I went with Christopher Mintz Plaz for that role. <laughs> Me too. McLovin. McLovin. Oh, Isn't that perfect? Jenna came up with that one. Great. Nice. Uh I yeah. went with Mr. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> as JP. Ooh, I like that actually. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. It's good. Mr. Benedict. All right. Um, and next after JP, uh got into the old ladies. Let's now do we it. have I have, for B. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so so I guess should I name all three of them or are we just gonna go one? Yeah, you know what? Do all three. Yeah, do as a trio. Okay. So for my B, I went with Kathy Bates. 
Um, oh. For my Grace character, I went with Helena Bonham. Ooh. And for my grandma, Lily, I went with Betty White, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's pretty good. Joe? Joel, who do you have? Oh, uh, for my B, I went with uh, the actress's name is Lois Smith. You may know her from uh, Twister. She's the grandma in Twister. They go to her house. Uh, she was also oh. has a small role in Minority Report. She, you'd recognize her if you saw her. Lois Smith. For my grace, I went with another Helen, Helen Mirren. And then, uh, of oh. course, I did Betty White as my grandma as well. That's funny. So now, knowing that I have Brits playing in this movie, mm. what three old British women do you think I would cast in these roles? I think you're going to go McGonagall, mm-hmm. for one. Where? Where? Uh, probably the Grace role, maybe? Yeah. You were close. Really? I have Maggie Smith as Grandma Lily. Uh, ah. And just like Joel said, Helen Mirren would be my Grace. <laughs> I knew you couldn't pass that up. So who's my B? Oh. There's mm. one left. One, oh, the one big. Oh, oh uh, J- Dame Judy Dench. That's right. Yes. Mm. <laughs> what do I win? Mm. <laughs> I am the smartest man alive. <laughs> Speaking of Adam Sandler. Uh, all right. So, did you guys recast Dante? Of course. Yeah, yeah. You wait. Uh, oh, actually, I, I went with Martin Freeman Dante. as my Dante. Oh, I like that. Interesting take on that character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I went with uh, Paul Rudd. Uh, kind of reprising his uh, oh. Kunu character from Forgetting Sarah. I'm like, yo, I'm London. Okay. Well, you know what? I didn't, but you know, I'm just going to go ahead and pick John C. Riley since I already <laughs> had the Sarah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, so we should all have Alex and Samantha left, right? You got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Tess. For my Samantha role, I went with Sophie Turner for that role. Ooh. Wow. I like mm-hmm. that. That's pretty you... good. I I went with Amelia Clark. Oh, very good. In Game of oh, Thrones. Okay. And you know okay, I went that's... Kristen Bell. That's good. Hey, uh, love her. Yeah, Kristen oh. Bell's a good. She's a good choice. Uh, and so Alex, the uh, the main character, Grandma's boy, the titular character. I went with Simon Pegg. Obviously. Obviously. Obviously, what? Well, I went with the man James Franco for my Alex. <laughs> the, the man, <laughs> the man James, James the man Franco. <laughs> James the man. No, he's Franco. the guy. He's the big guy. He is the guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank you, Joel. Let's just, I know that. Even I know that. Again. Well, yeah. and of course, uh, obviously, my Alex is uh, Jason Siegel. That's good. Uh, mine oh. directed by Edgar Wright because Edgar Wright can do no wrong. Hell yeah, with me. <laughs> Wright can do uh, no wrong. If you guys have uh, any thoughts about Grandma's Boy, thoughts on uh, recasting, what you would do with the movie, or if you just have thoughts in general, things that we didn't touch on, if you violently disagree with our take on Grandma's Boy, mm. let us know. Go to Facebook.com slash Editing Bay, or in the search bar, type in the Editing Bay, find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes, click on it, and tell us. Tell us what you think about it. Tell us if you uh, have ideas for movies for us to watch in the future so we can get those added to the list. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It is not the Editing Bay. It's not Edit Bay. It's EditingBay.com. Please go there uh, and bookmark it because any time you need to know what's going on with us, you're going to find it there on EditingBay.com. You'll find links to subscribe to our little podcast here, either on uh, Apple Podcasts or now on Spotify. Also, uh, we have a little archive section. You can hear all of our past episodes. Uh, and if you want to support the show monetarily, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon.com slash, I think it's the Editing Bay. Maybe it's just Editing Bay. Uh, whatever. Use your uh, searching powers. You'll find us there. And uh, you can throw a little ducats our way. Help support the show. All that and more on EditingBay.com.
Leave us a rating and review on your podcasting app. Five-star rating would be fantastic. And then a review. Let us know what you like about the show. You know what? Look, even if there's criticism, if you're like, hey, you could be doing this better, make it five-star criticism. That's cool. If you leave less than five stars, you know what you are? Hmm. You're someone who goes to your friend's house, spends the night, and ends up coming on their mom. (laughs) How how shocking is that? I did get a little laugh out of that, even as a cringe. I I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> My mom says you can still stay the night, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, that'll be really awkward around breakfast. Yes. Uh, all right. So, what are we going to do next week? Uh, well, Joe, we had a debate because uh, last week uh, we did our Chadwick Bozeman episode, which we, we did a little out of order. We had actually recorded Romeo and Juliet first, which was my pick. And then uh, you uh, bequeathed your episode pick uh, so that we could do our little tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I'm really proud of that episode. I think Joel did a fantastic job editing that together. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys should oh. listen to that if you haven't. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, it, I, we, we all should. We should uh, pay the man his dues because uh, he was a great, he was a legend taken too soon. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. taken too soon, Joe, was your pick for uh, the next episode because uh, I don't think it was fair that uh, you had to, to spend your episode. So uh, you, were, you were kind enough to say, nope, Joe, fair is fair. Go ahead. It's your pick next time. But uh, I'm going to make a little compromise with you, Joe, because I think you'll be very happy with uh, the, the movie that I have chosen. I think we can both. We're going to watch certain. half of Broadway and half of a movie that I pick. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we, we did the Lone Ranger here. Uh, this is the Army Hammer Johnny Depp uh, episode. This is a few years back, yeah. and during that episode, you proclaimed, you're like, you know what, this is a, a movie that hasn't gotten its due, I think it's way underrated, I agree with you, I think we both enjoyed that one, and you said, this is kind of part of a trilogy that I want to do on this podcast, you said, uh, uh, between yeah. The Lone Ranger, John Carter, and, do you remember what the third one was? Sure. Tron Legacy. That's right, Tron Legacy. And what better time mm. to revisit this film? Uh, I just learned that over the summer they've confirmed that there is a Tron Three in the works. They have a script. Yeah. They're going to be filming it. It's supposed to come out in 2021. We'll see if that still happens. Uh, I, probably a smaller budget because I don't think that Tron Legacy got its money back. Um, but there's such a huge fan following, uh, cult yeah. following. Joe, I know you're a part of that. I was a little lukewarm on it at the time, but uh, curious to see how uh, Tron Legacy holds up upon second viewing. And I think this is the best time for them to be uh, rebooting a Tron 3 um, because I think it's the perfect uh, use of Disney's new virtual set that they've been using on The Mandalorian. Can you picture, like, you know... all, that would be great. All the effects, they don't need a big budget anymore. They can get in that 360-degree virtual set and they can f- put the Tron universe in there. Even with a small budget, I think it'll look fantastic. It'll probably even debut on uh, Disney+. Plus. So uh, in preparation for that, and Joe, to uh, extend a thank you to you, we are going to do Tron Legacy next week on the podcast. Oh, wow. I can't wait. In fact, what I need to do now, I need to get Tess a copy of the original Tron yeah. so he can watch that first. Because I think that... It's not exactly required, but I think it's probably a good idea to watch it so that way you kind of have some context would help. going into that. Doesn't I'm hurt. super excited about this. Yeah, um, I knew you would be. To, uh, to speak to what you said about not making its money back, Tron Legacy, which I know we'll cover in the episode, uh, but the budget for that movie was $170 million. It made $410 million, Oh, did it? But it should have made more. Like, oh, to, wow. Especially for a huge Disney reboot of a franchise, yeah. I think they were looking for a much higher number. Um, no, I'm excited about this. Ooh. I love Tron Legacy so much, and oh. uh, 
You can check that out on Disney Plus, guys. That's right. Nice. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Tess, great job. Fun pick. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Joel, always a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. All right, guys. We'll see you next week for Tron Legacy. Mm, Sit on my face. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.